Welcome to Forward with NACI, Inspiring Entrepreneurial Action, a podcast that shares the stories of everyday entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial leaders, and the communities that support us. We hope that this diverse collection of stories brings you inspiration, inspires you to take action, and ignites entrepreneurship in your community as we make our way forward together. Welcome to Forward with NACI. We have a special guest today. She is Dr. Amy Schultz. She has many, many accomplishments and passions to talk to us about. She's coming to us from the state of California and Sierra College, and we're excited to have you here. You have a close relationship with NACI and have done such amazing work over the years, and we're just excited to dive in. So, Amy, why don't you just begin and, and share with us a little bit about yourself, maybe a mentor or something that inspired you on your journey? Oh, well, well, thank you for the invitation, Dr. Corbin. Um, It is um, truly an honor to be here and uh, kind of full circle moment with Nacy. So I appreciate it. Um, A little bit about myself, my my current position, I am the Dean for um, Career Continuing and Technical Education at Sierra College in Rockland, California. And that also includes the Division of Business and Technology. So those are instructional programs. So very much in workforce development and CTE and business and entrepreneurship. And so we have uh, we have some exciting programs going on. And um, before that, uh, while I was working my PhD, I worked um, with NACI and um, did some statewide work. And before that, um, I was director of uh, career technical education at Feather River College, and in that role, um, co-created the the new world of work 21st century skills. So that is looking at really um, essential skills and soft skills for the workplace that also have an entrepreneurial um, bent. Um, But before um, Feather River, uh, where I really got my start in um, community colleges, was at South Texas College in McAllen, Texas, in Southeast Texas, right on the border of, of Mexico. It was my first job in community colleges. From Before then, I um, had worked in corporate and accounting for um, Novo Nordisk Biotech, so a research and development co- um, company in Davis, California. The um, it was a subsidiary of Novo Nordisk out, out of Denmark, which is a great place to work. Um, but I made a pivot with this um, work at South Texas College, and one of uh, my mentors there, who has been really a career-long mentor, um, his name is Mario Reina, and he is um, was the dean of, of the business division at South Texas College. And through that work, I just I just learned so much from Mario, who was retired Air Force, and then came into the community college into um, higher ed. Um, he was from the region, and it's in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, it was South Texas was the first um, community college in the region at that time, and served half a million people that did not have ac- access to education um, before then. And um, so it was, it was people were very grateful for the opportunity for education, but it was also kind of a new um, new part of the culture. And so Mario, with his experience and leadership um, through the Air Force, and then with really understanding the region and the community, I mean, he just he brought so much vision, and he was very just generous with his time with me. Um, especially now that I'm a dean, I can see you know that when I would come in and talk to him on a weekly basis, he he was um, you know very generous of of his time. It's it's hard to find that that kind of time. 
Um, but he, what, while there, he asked me to lead um, a grant, a workforce development grant with Microsoft and the American Association of Community Colleges. And that was um, to really bridge the digital divide um, and it, um, empower people with workforce skills in the area of IT and everything from electronics to computer science. And in, at that time, it was um, early 2000s. They were really there was an economic shift due to Makila Doris on the um, border in the border region. And um, so it was really, again, people were displaced through work. And so they went from factory work trying to reinvent themselves at community college. And, and through that work with Mario and South Texas College, I mean, he really taught me how to think broadly. And I didn't know any different. I, I was new to the system, so I didn't know there were silos. I just thought, you know, you just <laughs> jump in and go across functions. And so that's how I learned. <laughs> right. It's funny that you're talking about at the time, maybe you didn't contemplate that ultimately you would be a dean. And I understand your husband, Michael, is a dean also. So you've got lots of deans in your family. But I've always thought, um, you know, in community college, that is a really tough job because you're, you know, you're trying to make sure that everything gets filled. You're trying to provide leadership for the faculty and you're just encountering like one challenge after the other, especially as you're getting new programs. I know you a couple of years ago, I remember you were hiring somebody for Medtronics. Uh, program, which many people probably haven't even heard about what that is. So just knowing you and your work, one of the things that I have just loved learning and co-creating with you is really understanding that entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial mindset, while it can be in the business uh, community and about creating and growing and sustaining businesses, it's so much more than that. So I thought it would be really great if you could share a little bit about uh, from your experience, both as a faculty, as a business owner yourself, and now as a dean, what does entrepreneurial mindset um, mean to you and how do you use it in your in your day-to-day life? Great question. Um, for me, it, it means um, looking for opportunities, looking for needs. What first, where are the needs? And then where are the, the resources to, to help to fill those? Um, and having an open mind about how to do that. So not always looking at how it's always been done, but looking for for new strategies and, and new ways. Um, and you're right, I and in my role now as Dean, and especially through this COVID pandemic, we are pivoting all the time and having to reinvent how we do things and how, um, you know, how we're serving our different audiences, whether it's students that um, ha- have shoulder a lot of burden through this, um, our faculty are really feeling it as well. So looking at, you know, coming from it with um, a view of empathy and understanding, you know, who who are our, you know, customers, we could say, um, or our audiences, and, you know, what are the best ways we can serve them with the resources that we have at hand. And, and sometimes that means going out and, and seeking more to, to make that, that possible. But that, yeah, that is something that I learned, um, you know, from Mario at, at South Texas College, I, you know, jumped in and um, with this, this grant program that, um, you know, we worked across student services and um, across different functions of the college that, you know, I didn't realize that that wasn't normal to be going um, across functions like that. And then um, to, you know, kind of take that to look at, you know, how, how do we, how can we all work together to get out of our silos 
to best um, meet the needs that we have. Yeah, I think what you said about empathy, that was one of the things I learned from you early on. And remember that time we were going to do that design thinking workshop. And I feel like you were pulled away to something else. And then you helped you design the whole thing, which we have used many times and kind of done different iterations of it. But I remember what you told me at that time is really essence of design thinking is empathy and it's on sort of accelerated action and radical collaboration. So it by design, design thinking is getting you out of your comfort zone because you have got to trust other people. So it feels like just jumping into a, a pool of very cold water and, and just trusting that you're going to start swimming and you're going to find um, somebody who can help you make your way. And I think back on some of those memories, Amy, this is pre-pandemic where we got to travel to some amazing places in, in California and in the Appalachian region and as you were working on your PhD, uh, we were writing things. And, and that's really what started us on our journey for the maker movement. And I really credit you with that. You were the one who talked to the chancellor's office about how important it was. And at the time, I didn't really know that much about making. But um, what I've learned since, you know, through our experience together was really how that is, can be such a unifying uh, thing and how it really, from a systems approach, can really be very inclusive. So maybe you could talk a little bit about making and how you got really interested in it and maybe what you're doing these days um, that that is through sort of a making um, model or, or making approach. Oh, absolutely. You know, this is one of my favorite topics and it, it really, to me, making really encompasses an entrepreneurial mindset and um, also innovation and education and how we can be approaching education. So, um, you know, back in my NACI days, well, and I'm still a NACI, but um, when I was working with NACI, um, you know, we did a lot of work in kind of the early stages of making and what colleges were doing. And it was it was a pretty new space. So I actually did my dissertation was on a makerspaces in interdisciplinary faculty and how um, how to build that making culture. Um, really breaking down silos across campus to do it. So true making makerspace would be discipline neutral and be a place where students can come with their inquiry at, at hand and, and then explore how, how to de de develop it. Instead of traditional education, we, you know, educators come with the ideas and feed it to the students <laughs> for mm -hmm. them to explore. But it's also that, um, that also really institutes you know, having different disciplines and why we stay in disciplines where um, if you look at a makerspace, if students come in with an idea and then they find the disciplines that they need to make that happen. So it's, it's really kind of flipping it upside down. So I studied that in my dissertation. Um, and then I had the opportunity to work at Sierra College and um, Sierra College has been a, really a leader in the makerspace movement in higher ed for several years now. Before my time here, I can't take credit for it. That would be my colleague, uh, Carol Pepper Kittridge and, and many innovative faculty that I have the honor of working with now. And, um, and so it's, it's been just really an honor to kind of um, carry the torch to the, to the next level. But what I'm doing now is we are actually um, opening a makerspace on campus at Sierra. So we had a partnership with Hacker Lab where we had a private um, public partnership for a makerspace to really incubate the idea and how that could work in higher ed. 
Um, and through the pandemic, just, you know, um, things were going remote so that the partnership didn't work anymore, but we had the opportunity to open something on campus. So we're in the midst of opening the space. We should have our grand opening in March, which is really exciting. And so I've actually been able to apply what I studied in my dissertation. And I know, Becky, you and I were working on our dissertations about the same time. And I know mm-hmm. that was important, kind of the, that practitioner aspect. And it's um, so it's been um really interesting to kind of take that knowledge that I learned through the research process and then be able to apply it. And one of the big lessons out of the research is in education, we need to allow the time and space for innovation. And unfortunately, with the way our systems are set up, our faculty are really busy with teaching and their classes and keeping a full load. There isn't a lot of wiggle room for collaboration across disciplines, um, for innovation. So finding the, those spaces and allowing um, a space, whether it's a physical space or release time, um, which through the chancellor's office, the California Community College Chancellor's Office, we're participating in a project um, called I3. It's Invention and Inclusion Innovation, um, which is a partnership with the Limelson M- MIT Foundation. In that work, we do have some resources to allow um, faculty to work across disciplines and um, innovate their approaches in education. Yeah, and I I appreciate, again, that was another opportunity that um, you opened the door for NACI to participate in that as well. So we're kind of taking on the role as a, a project manager to try to expand the number of colleges that work on that. And you and I are going to be working together, although we haven't <laughs> finalized the contract yet. Well, Macy's actually going to hire you um, and your expertise to do a, a little bit of curriculum development around facilitation. And interestingly enough, I, I think that people are recognizing that, you know, that's really the wave of the future is, is that people need to take agency. It's a lot of the things that you've been doing in your classroom, although maybe you didn't call it that, uh, you know, immersing yourselves. And I, I know that for you, um, Amy, as, as a leader and as a person, you've, you've traveled all over the world um, in the work that you've done um, in the social entrepreneurship vein. And I wanted um, to hear a little bit about that. But I also wanted to point out a, a colleague and friend of yours, Dr. Karen Seda, in the Maricopa system, I think sees the world very much as you do. You know, it, it's it's the deep empathy is with the student, right? So it's with the student as the customer, and it's really pushing them into exploring um, different frontiers and believing in themselves, regardless if they have a, a learning difference or if there's something about them that makes them sort of non-traditional is how do you turn that into an asset? So I wanted to see if you would be kind enough to share maybe a little bit about your global travels. I know you and your daughter have traveled to Africa doing um, a social entrepreneurship project. So um, perhaps you could just tell everyone who might not be familiar with it, what is social entrepreneurship and how did that manifest itself um, in terms of opportunity in your own life to, uh, to travel and to learn? Oh, well, thank you. Um, Social entrepreneurship is really taking the entrepreneurial mindset and principles for social good that that could come up in a nonprofit. And I think that's where a lot of people jump to, but it could also really be in in the purest form is a for-profit business, but also um, for good. And um, I had, when I was at Feather River College, I was the um, faculty advisor for student organization called Enactus. Mm -hmm. And I had done that for about 12 years. Um, 
And one of our projects early on, um, we had a couple of students that met a gentleman from Uganda who had shared his challenges growing up without access to water. And to hear it, you know, in his words, like what that meant as a little boy having to walk two miles to collect water, um, the diseases and things that you that we take for granted, like not being able to play football or American soccer um, because he had to collect water. So this this really stuck with our students and um, through about a 10 year process and fundraising and research and you know students and with, with community college students, you have them for two years and then they kind of pass the torch. We finally, we took um, uh, several groups of students to Uganda to work on social um, enterprise projects in a remote village in Western Uganda, um, closer to Rwanda. Actually. And um, it was just a transformative experience. I would like to say that we um, learned so much more as students and educators coming over, you know, to serve, really, it was the opposite, um, that we um, learned so much more about the the world and, you know, the, the resilience of humans and what people, you know, challenges that people face and how they come through with it, um, and their generosity of spirit and hope and, and joy and gratitude um, after, you know, facing uh, enormous challenges <laughs> that we would not be able to imagine. I also learned so much about empathy and collaboration. And so in that sort of work, to really work in partnership as allies, um, that there's there are resources we can bring to the table, but we cannot you know, fully understand um, what the challenge or problem to solve is. It, it's the people that are living with it that really have the solutions from within. And then you know we can come in with maybe financial resources or knowledge or um, even internet <laughs> um, research that, you know, a lot of these folks might not even have um, access to, you know, data to be able to do full re research. So that sort of thing. So finding ways that we were able to leverage leverage that work. But the, that is hard work. Um, I was able to take my daughter when she was 11 the first time, and it really just, it just shaped her, her worldview and how she approaches things now. She's 20 now. Obviously, we haven't been able to go back in a couple of years, um, but it is, you know, it's really on my heart. And I, you know, I, I miss my friends over there. I also, I also feel um, as a global citizen that we should be doing more, that there are folks that um, when it comes to vaccine, access to vaccines and healthcare, um, when it's related to COVID, like people are, are really suffering. Um, and also things like uh, environmental change, the people that are making the least impact on the earth are actually feeling the most impact with climate change. Yeah, which totally gets into an equity conversation. But, you know, it sounds to me, and I, I think just knowing you for many years, you really practice, you know, that that intentional gratitude, intentional putting yourself out there and trying to make the, the world a better place. And it really, if you think about it, it circles back to that project you mentioned a minute ago, the I3 initiative. So I know you all just got done um, producing a video. So we're going to have um, that information available on the podcast site if people want to take a look at it. But if they haven't heard anything about making, they may not know about some of the projects that you're working on with the chancellor's office, what's the best way for them to learn more about you and what you're doing? Is there, would it be um, going onto your website at the, at the college or, or how, how would they do that? 
Yeah, we do. We do have a landing page on our website for I3. So that would probably be the best way. And I can provide that. So that would be the best way. And, you know, I'm happy to talk about it. If anyone wants to reach out, um, you know, can provide my, my email address as well. Yeah. And I know you've published a lot of articles and I think where it stands and I think what connects us to really the greater NACI community is action-oriented people, you know, that we don't want to just study things. We don't want to just talk about things. We want to do things and we want to um, do things together where it's, it's not really based on necessarily what our job title is or how many or how few degrees we have. It's really that um, effectuation that we used to talk about a lot um, of that process of creating this crazy quilt, if you will, where it might be people in different states with different belief systems and different experiences. But I want to thank you so much, Amy, for sharing uh, your story. You're going to be one of our keynote speakers at Makeshift um, in April 20th through the 22nd. So anyone who's interested enough that would might want to attend that conference and learn more about you and, and what others are doing could go to uh, NACCE.com uh, and look under our events page for the Makeshift conference. And they can also Google your name because you've written a lot of different articles, not only for NACI, but for journals and um, done all kinds of presentations. So I appreciate um, that. And, and you made mention a minute ago about the pandemic and, you know, kind of going through. I'd love if we could end our conversation. Maybe you could just talk about something now that we are in 2022, something that you're hopeful about in, in going forward this year. Another great question. I, you know, I am hopeful that as a world and society, like we have learned some lessons through this experience of inequity and also what, what is really important. Um, and, you know, I think we all have had a lot of, a lot of opportunity to reflect on that and spend time with family, um, you know, maybe not by choice through the lockdown. Uh, and when it comes down to it, what, what is it that we need? I think that um, we're in the midst of a transformation and a shift uh, in our world. And that we, I hope that we are able to take away lessons from this, that when we look at the inequity and we see it um, at the community college system with our students, our students were hit the hardest um, for this. So working parents that weren't able to have childcare, um, food insecurity and, um, uh, you know, homelessness was still a major issue, um, the digital divide. So I, I, I think if we can take away um, when we have a chance to breathe too, and, and I know a lot, of, a lot of folks have been working on it in crisis management and trying to address these issues as we go, but to be able to walk, take a step aside and, and take a look like, you know, what is it that we really need to focus on as a world so that we're, we're not in this situation again, that we don't have so many people suffering needlessly um, and, and depending on what their income level is. So I, I think to be able to look at equity through this lens that we've just have lived through. Yeah, indeed, that's very well said. And I think what I heard you say too is more about the we and less about the me. And I think that's really a great way to start the year. So I thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to see you in San Diego in person. So that'll be amazing. And 
really thank you, Amy, for your leadership and all the work uh, that you do. So I hope you have a great day. And we now have listeners in uh, over 500 American cities and um, 37 countries around the world. So who knows, maybe someone will tune in from Uganda. We have a shout out. We're trying to get a listener in South America. <laughs> that is the only continent we're not on. So if you have a friend. Um, oh, I do. That area, our, yeah. um, actually, our, our video producer is from Argentina. Ah, so we well, will get the word out. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. So your episode will be where we will really, truly touch the whole world. So okay. happy new year, Amy. Thank you so much. All right. Happy new year. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you will continue to explore the many ways to define entrepreneurship with NACI as we celebrate opportunity, failing forward and success, learning from one another along the way. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and follow at NACI on social media and learn more about us at nacy.com forward slash podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode each week. We look forward to making our way forward together with you. Have you heard about our latest book, Impact Ed, How Community College Entrepreneurship Creates Equity and Prosperity? This is our roadmap for building back better in 50 states and globally. In each chapter, we share the inspiring stories of everyday entrepreneurs, and explain how community colleges play a crucial role in their success. Visit us at nacy.com forward slash impact ed to order your copy now and join us in this work. Have you heard the exciting news? NACI recently released a new publication titled The NACI Playbook Volume 1, all about how entrepreneurial mindset sets the new standard for success in communities and colleges. The NACI Playbook digs into entrepreneurial mindset and how practicing leadership with this framework creates an agile culture with space to innovate, co-create, fail forward, and accelerate growth. Entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial leadership require us to lean in, anticipate and recognize trends, manage change, be resilient, take risks, reflect, and rest in the knowledge that anything is possible. Learn from our innovative, insightful, generous network who navigates both challenges and opportunities entrepreneurially as we share what we've learned and how you might apply their experience to your work. We hope you'll be as inspired as we were. Learn more at www.nacyplaybook.com.